Welcome to the Renovate Church Sermon Podcast. At Renovate Church, we are passionate about teaching God's Word in such a way that you really get to know the heart and character of God and where you can apply the truth of Scripture to every aspect of living. We believe that God's Word is relevant and has the power to transform your life. We're excited for this most recent sermon, and we hope it blesses and encourages you. Good morning, Renovate Church. I'm Roddy Nelson, and I am honored and excited to share with you the Word of God today, continuing our series on walking with God. Now, I just took about an eight-second pause. Did I lose you? Did you think that I lost my mind, or I forgot where I was going, or did you think maybe there was a uh, something wrong with the technology today. They messed up the sound. They messed up the video. Or, or maybe you're like a lot of people when something like that would happen, you decide, thought maybe you should change the channel, right? Let's go find something else that can give me content and give it to me quickly. You know, I want to ask you this question. If I was there live and I really wanted to be, I was scheduled to be, but because of the weather here in Texas and the uncertainty around that, we had to do it in video format. So thank you for your time and your effort to connect with us here on online. You know, we have the uh, now we have the Renovate app that you can go to. We do the daily devotionals on Facebook every day, and I get to participate with that uh, with so many other great uh, leaders and speakers within the church community. And so it's awesome that we have this this technology to do that. But you know, sometimes in the world that we live in, because it's so fast paced that many times I believe we miss God and those opportunities to pause, to take a break. You know, I, I, if I was there, I was going to bring a goldfish and I was going to let you guys name him. And because there was a, and, and ask the question, are we smarter than a goldfish? And the truth is, it's not really a matter of intelligence, but really a matter of focus. And I really want to, want to, convey this message to you today about our need to take a break, to take a pause, to rest, to get in the place of silence and solitude with God, because our ability to walk with God is directly connected to our commitment to spending time alone with Him, giving Him that audience of one, you know, that one-on-one communion and fellowship with Him. But it's so hard for us because every day we are thrust into this fast-paced environment where we need everything at a moment's notice. You know, there was a study done a few years ago by Microsoft, I think it was 2015, and then another group in Canada followed up and did a very similar study about attention span And they found out that the average human being, that their attention span had dropped from 12 seconds to about eight seconds. That's actually less than a goldfish. A goldfish, you can keep its attention quicker or longer than you can an actual human being. That is mind boggling to me. But 
That's what technology has done. Now, do not get me wrong. I embrace technology. I love that we can connect with a click of a button anywhere on the planet. Most of the people I talk to live in another country. And so for us to be able to connect through different applications, through the phone or through a computer system, uh, is pr- it's, it's brilliant. It's ingenious to me. And I, and I appreciate it. And I love it. But I think sometimes we get so caught up in our need for stimulation and our need to be constantly connected with everything that's going on in the world that we forget the, 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 the command of the Lord, which is simply this, to be still and know that I am God. That's one of the things that God always is trying to communicate to you and I. No matter how chaotic our life is, no matter how uncertain times are, God wants us to know and he wants to remind us, you know what? Be still and know that I am God. Find your refuge in a place of his peace. Find your find it find time, make time to get alone with him. You know, in, in Christendom, we like to use these religious terms to talk about the secret place, finding ourselves in that secret place with God. And that's important to do, but I want to give a different perspective on that and why it's necessary, if we're going to walk with God, why it's necessary for us to have an audience of one with God. You know, again, we spend so much time giving our time, our energy, our resources, our effort to everybody and everything else around us. And yes, we still go to church. Yes, we maybe still do our our things in terms of reading the Bible and worshiping and things of that nature. But God wants us to know that there is a place in him to where we can be alone with him, to where he can grab our attention. He can speak revelation into us. He can give us that wisdom that we need. He can give us those ideas or he can reveal to us an identity or a purpose. And those things don't come typically like that. And again, we want instant gratification. We want convenience. We want everything to be fast and handed to us. But it doesn't typically happen that way, does it? You know, you can say yes there. I believe that. Uh, I don't think anybody would say no to that. You know, I want you to do something now. Some of you are watching on your phone. Others are probably watching on a laptop. Um, So if you have um, the phone or laptop, I want you to get some other uh, device, whether a tablet or a different phone. And I, I want you to do this. If you can't do it in real time with me or watching the video with me, I want you to Pay attention to this later on. I want you to get another uh, device and I want you to go into your browser, whether it's Safari, Google Chrome, or what have you. And I want you to type in Amazon.com. Amazon.com. And I want you to pay attention to how quick that loads. I mean, it should be instant. Even if you have a slow internet connection, it will be instantaneous. Now I want you to go to RoddyNelson.com. That's my name, R-O-D as in David, D as in David, I-E, Nelson.com. And then after you do that, I want you to obviously hit enter. And I want you to pay attention to how long it takes for that to load. You'll notice a, a, a difference in those two web web designs or, or development, right? You will notice that now, now after you do that, I'll go back to Amazon just to, to remind you how quick that was. Amazon was like, boom, it was there. Now mine, I've not paid to get it to go that fast. Why? Because it's no, it's not an investment that makes sense for me to try to make it fast. But do you know there are people that if my page doesn't load, 
I think that the, the study is that if you if a page doesn't load within three seconds, people move on to the next page. Now, I remember the old dial-up internets. It would take forever, right? You're listening to that, and it would take forever. You know, you take an hour just to be able to send a, a one-line email or something, or, you know, an hour to connect, and then you get disconnecting, you're reconnecting. And now if we don't have it just like that, we're like, that website's not good. That's not a good developer. They need to hire somebody else or fire somebody and change their team around. But Amazon did a study and they found out that if they have a lag in their load time for their website, that would cost them, I think it's $1.6 billion, billion dollars. So they have invested millions of dollars in their technology and their platform for their website to make sure that it is an instant download so that people, so that they don't lose those sales, so they don't lose that revenue. And so it's wisdom of them to do that. But that, that again, it plays into this idea of we want everything so fast. And if we don't have it fast, we don't think it's worth having. But there is this sense when it comes to our relationship with God that we have to come back to this place of, of, of the pause, that the presence of God many times is found in the pause of life. When we slow down and we say, God, where are you? Or God is saying, hey, why don't you slow down and take time to discover who I am in this moment? For your life. You know, we we need, we, we've, we've grown accustomed to needing this constant stimulation, right? Because it does something when you are, when you, you know, have you ever wondered why you'll be on some social media platform or you have an app that you've downloaded and you don't really feel like you want to spend that much time scrolling through all that stuff on, on a social media platform or you're spending hours and hours playing a game and you really don't feel like and you're like, why did I waste all this time? You don't you don't feel like you really wanted to do that, but you did it anyway. You know why? Because when you're doing it, there is this mental stimulation that is happening. It is releasing these endorphins in your brain. This dopamine is being released because it's almost like even though it's it's old, it's still new. And it's still this novelty. And novelty begins to um novelty will produce dopamine. And that dopamine will release those endorphins. And so what technology does and what these platforms are built to do, it's to keep your attention locked in to these things so that you feel that sense of gratification in the moment. And so those endorphins are constantly going. They're constantly being released. And you feel it makes you feel good in the moment. It's just like when you eat a lot of sugar. It's just like another any other drug that you maybe you've partaken of in the past that you got addicted to. It's the same reason that happens. And so most of us, if I were to ask you what or who is your constant companion, you know what most of us, if we were to be honest, would have to say it's that cell phone. You know, I remember when we didn't have cell phones. We talked a lot more to other people. We engaged in uh, healthier and deeper conversations than we ever did before. But if I, you could define panic just by taking somebody's phone away from them for five to eight seconds, 
and 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 watch what happens. Have you ever thought you lost your phone or you misplaced it? Have you ever went to the store, even though you were just going to maybe grab some milk or bread, and you left your phone at home, and you were like, "Oh no, what if what if my wife needs to call me or my kids need to call me or or you know, oh no, I forgot something. I, I don't have my phone," and you almost go into this panic. Why? Because it is that constant companion that we have grown accustomed and addicted to, and it has actually replaced, in some sense, our um, our desire to have God as our constant companion. And God wants to remind us that he is the one that fulfills all of those needs for our life. But there's some other things that happen. So, so when we are consistently and constantly you know, scrolling through on the applications, reading our emails, it doesn't give our brain time to rest. And so what begins to happen, I was looking for this quote that I had. Oh, yeah. So what happens is when we have, we always have this need for for some type of stimulus, a stimuli, um, it becomes dangerous because the brain will begin to shut down. Now, God has given you and I this creative imagination, this incredible intelligence, and he wants us to be able to use that. But if we're constantly getting this stimulus from some digital um, input into our life, then we're not giving our time, our brain time that it needs to produce new things, to rest, to be at that place of peace. And 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 listen, please understand me. This isn't this isn't me saying get rid of your cell phone, get rid of your technology, stop answering your emails. I mean, we live in a global connected society that needs these networks and these digital companions to be able to enhance our lives. But I guess my challenge and my question would be is is where do we draw the line between um, healthy um, access and usage of these things and when does it become where it has taken over and dominating our life and taking the place of more important things? You know, how many times you sit around the table and you're like, man, when I was growing up, uh, we sat around the table and had a meal together. And But now, you know, if we might be around the table together, but everybody's got their face in the phone. We don't even know what each other looks like anymore. And so we've gotten out of balance when it comes to these things. And the other thing is, I remember there was this picture of, it was Mark Zuckerberg, and, and he's got, he's walking down this aisle, and he had just bought this, this virtual reality company. Um, I forgot the name of it. It's like Oculus or something like that. And, um, and, and he's walking down the aisle. And there's this picture. He's got this big smile on his face. And you see all these people in the crowd and they got the virtual reality uh, mask on. And he's just smiling and laughing. Well, and, and the reason is he, he knows that if he can create a need for a new stimulus from people, then it's he can go to the bank with that. And the thing is, so many of us want a virtual reality or a false reality that we will invest into things like that. And again, I'm, I, I I say do it if it's something that is an escape for you from time to time, if it's something that is an enhancement for your life, if it helps you in your career, uh, if it helps you um, build better community and relationships, utilize it. But if it if, if it creates or steals away from your identity or your purpose or your 
um, authentic relationships with other people and obviously with God as well, then you're going to have to make some decisions. Maybe maybe you go on a phone fast. You know, my wife, she goes on news fast. She doesn't listen to the news and she's in a room and everybody's talking about the news. Like she checks out. She's like, I'm not I'm not dealing with that um, anymore. And so we have to get to this place in our life where we say, what is it that is hindering me? You know, because people ask me all the time, you know, how do you hear the voice of God? And my simple answer is, well, I spend time with him. But we'll say, well, I don't have time. But the truth is, whatever we value in our life, that's the things that we'll give time to. You know, God teaches us, you know, Jesus Jesus promised us companionship, right? In, in Matthew chapter 28, um, ver, you know, after, you know, the Great Commission, Jesus promises, he goes, listen, I'm never going to leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm going to be with you to the end of this age. You know, Jesus was telling them, listen, my, my desire is that you and I would remain in fellowship, in companionship with one another, right? That's what God wanted in the beginning when God created man and woman in the garden, and you know he's there with Adam, and he's walking with him day in and day out. You know Genesis three eight says that you know they they heard the sound of God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Now yes, they're kind of they're hiding from God because they had uh, they had done something wrong, but the context and the understanding within this verse in Genesis three eight is that. It, when they said that they heard God walking, that word walking, it was the habitual routine or pattern that they'd grown accustomed to in their relationship with God. So they they heard God, they knew God was there because this was his habitual pattern to walk with them, to be with them during these specific moments during the day, you know, this cool part of the day or the cool breeze coming through during the day. It was a, it, and it was this symbolism of fellowship, connection and um and even, you know, refreshing moments in the presence of God. And that's what God wants for us. He wants to have fellowship with us. He wants us to have companionship with him. You know, and, and, and then the word of God says in Romans 8, in verse 38, it talks about how nothing can separate us from the love of God. You know, for, you know, neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers or things in the present or things to come or powers or height or depth or anything in all of creation that can separate us from the love of God, you know, and so God's desire was is not for separation. God's desire is for deep level connection with you and I. He wants that audience of one with you and I. You know, I was I remember a few years ago, I was pastoring a church in Illinois, and it, I had this unusual experience. Um, I had this little bitty office. It was a little bit, it was about the size of what I'm in right now. Um, actually, it was about half of this, but basically what you see in the camera uh, in front of me would have been the next wall. And I had a, I had room enough for a little desk and my chair, and I would go in there and I would have my Bible, and that's usually where I would study and I'd prepare uh, for my messages. Typically, I would go in there, I'd put on a little bit of worship music, created this little background, this environment, and, and I would just ask the Lord to speak to me, and, and, and I would go in there before every service, and I'd already have pretty much an idea of what I was going to preach and speak, and I would you know obviously give time for the Lord to um, kind of polish what I was going to say and what I was going to do. And then one day something very unusual happened. 
I felt the, it was almost like a tangible presence of the Lord in the room. I can't, I promise you, there's no words in my vocabulary that can truly articulate what I experienced in that moment. But the best thing I can do is like when you hug somebody that you haven't uh, seen in a long time, and they're an old friend and and somebody you just, you love, you miss them, and you embrace and you hold them. It was almost like that feeling of just real tangible love and expression of God's goodness. And it was so beautiful that it actually broke me. I began to cry and 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 I don't I I don't know what really happened. I can't I can't manufacture. I don't really think we can manufacture moments like that. I, I believe we need to be available for moments like that. But God comes into that room and for the next 30 days, I would tell my wife, I've got to go into the cloud. And what she and she knew that what it would happen is I would go into that room, I'd shut the door, and I would just wait. I had no agenda. My only agenda was I want to be with my God. I want to be with my creator. I want to be with the lover of my soul. I want to spend time with him. And in that 30 days, it was it was every day. I didn't want to leave. I only left to maybe grab a bite to eat real quick, go to the bathroom real quick. And I remember one Sunday I was preaching and I told the, told the people, I said, this is going to be one of the shortest messages that you've ever heard because I've got to get back to the presence of God. And they're like, wait, we're in church. The presence of God is here. And I said, listen, don't misunderstand me. I love you and, and I love being with you in corporate worship and celebration, but God is doing something in my life one-on-one and I don't want to miss a moment of that. And so I did preach actually a pretty short message that day. And I immediately, I didn't go to the restaurant afterwards. I immediately went home, went back into the cloud and I just soaked in the presence of God. And God was just downloading to me different things, revelation in the scripture. Um, He was giving me wisdom for my life and the direction for our ministry, things that Michelle and I needed and our kids would need. But the, the beauty of that wasn't in all of the things I was receiving in terms of what God was speaking. It was this knowledge that God was with me that he was right there, that he was that, not just a very present help in a time of need, but he was very present in that moment, whether I thought I needed him or not, if that makes sense. And again, I don't know why it lasted 30 days and then it didn't happen again. But for those 30 days, I would enter into this cloud and I would tangibly feel and encounter the presence of the Lord. Now, I devoted time for that. I, I, I disciplined myself to go into that, that secret place, or for me, what I'm calling now my escape room, where I escape everything else in life, and I come to that place where it's just me and God in His presence. But you know, it's very hard for most of us to do that. You know why? Because we get bored. Again, going back to what I said about technology, we get bored so quick, and so easy, you know, and, and here's the thing, human nature, just the way, again, the way our mind works, we have these fears. We, we're afraid of boredom. We're afraid of complexity. You know, if something's difficult, we're, we're afraid of that. We run away from it and we're afraid of change. And you know that if we can find things that, again, will stimulate us or will distract us, if we can find things that will distract us, it, we don't have to face those fears of, being bored. Because when you're bored, you have to find something else 
to do, right? My son, I mean, you know, our kids, they grew up in the age of technology. And so they have everything. They have the, the PlayStations, they have televisions, they all have phones, they, they can connect with anything and everything. And he'll come down sometimes. I'm like, hey, Tristan, what are you doing? He'll say, I'm just bored. I'm like, how can you possibly be bored? And he's like, well, I just, I don't have anything to do. And I'm like, read a book. Write down some thoughts. Get alone in your mind, right? And he's like, but but that that's not productive. I mean, that's his kind of attitude. But he's learned now when he gets bored when it, when it comes to the technology and playing games and talking to friends and things of that nature, he's learned to just get quiet and let his mind just work. And his creative genius and brilliance comes out of those moments. But when we're, if we're afraid of complexity and we're afraid of change, we're afraid of being bored, we won't give ourselves the the value we don't we won't give ourselves the discipline of being alone in the presence of God we're afraid of being alone we're afraid that um, if we don't have something to do that we're not being effective and that's another challenge that we have within the body of Christ you know I was talking to a friend of mine the other day and I think somebody talked about this in one of the devotions as well Pastor Dave or somebody else about um, how we our need of always trying to be busy and do. See, my training in ministry, 23 years of ministry almost, has been you always do, you always produce, you're always going, you're always trying to make something happen. And we, we always teach you can't earn things from God by doing that, but you know, our identity is aligned with our purpose. And so we want to make sure we're doing things that are in accordance to that. But and, and so during this time of being isolated and quarantined, where I'm not able to get on a plane and travel like I well, like I'm accustomed to and like I love to, to go to the nations to speak um, uh, words of encouragement, hope and strength and discipline and, uh, biblically for people, it's been difficult for me. And I began to realize that I was feeling this, this low self-worth because I attached my value or my self-worth to my ability to perform, to go, and to do. And what God has been teaching me and tr or trying to teach me, I'll say, I think I'm learning. What God has been trying to teach me through this is, is Roddy, yes, you can go and you can do. And that's part of your, pur your purpose. And I connect to that and I've called you to that. But your performance has nothing to do with your value to me. Your ability to speak to people, that doesn't have anything to do with your value to me. You are valuable to me because you're mine. And God's desire is to spend time with his creation. He wants to spend time with you on a very personal level. You know, we talk about purpose because we believe in, in destiny. We believe in divine calling and God sending you to do what he has created for you to do. That's that's a part of living the Christian life and, and living by faith. But there's also this part that I think we miss out on just and just being satisfied in knowing who you are as a child of God and allowing God's presence to become your pleasure and allowing yourself to know that God takes pleasure in who you are, not simply because of what you do. Now, again, I mean, if I have time, I may come back to a little story there, but God wants you to know he takes pleasure and wants to take pleasure in you. But for you to get close, for you to know him, You've got to spend time walking with God. It's not just walking to get to a destination. It's walking so that you can discern who he is. 
That's what walking with God does for us. It gets us in that place where we say, God, I don't need the audience of a multitude. I just need the audience of one, which is you. So God, please come be that ever present help right now. I need you, God. I need you in my life. I need your presence to feel me. I need your voice to speak to me. I need to know who you are right now in this moment of my life. And we've got to, listen, we've got to eliminate the distractions because, listen, I'll tell you this, distraction, it's the devil or the enemy's main weapon to keep us out of alignment with that divine purpose. So what happens is if the enemy can keep you distracted, even if God was trying to communicate something to you private or intimately, you're not going to hear it. And so the enemy, you know, we we're all, we, we think, oh, we're just trying not to sin. And the enemy's like, I don't care if you don't sin or if you do or don't sin. It's not really my, my, my uh, objective right now. My objective is to keep you so distracted that you can't fulfill that divine purpose or that you can't walk with God closely because you're so distracted in other things. He's Sometimes it's subtle, sometimes it's blatant, but it is one of his greatest weapons. And we have to be aware of that. And then we have to make provisions in our own life not to allow the distractions and the responsibilities of life to keep us from having that audience with the Lord. You know, Jesus, Jesus understood the power and the value of escaping from the crowd so that he could be with the Father. You know, Jesus was so, um, he loved the people. He knew he had an assignment, but, you know, Jesus would say statements like this. He goes, you know, whatever I get, and then whatever I do, it's only because I got it from the Father. And you don't get those kind of things apart from relationship, apart from consistent, um, intentional, and strategic positioning and posturing yourself in a place where you can hear and see and understand and know what God is saying and doing. So Jesus knew that value. Yes, he had a divine purpose and he was going to fulfill that and he was going to walk into that, but he knew that he had to separate himself and escape from the people. You know, one of the one of the things that that I love in the story of, of Joshua and Moses, and I just I don't want to do this real quick because I have some main points I really want to give you today, is when Joshua took over for Moses, we have this we have this generational transition from one generation of leadership to the next. Moses was this great leader, did all these incredible miracles. We read those stories and we're like, wow, Moses, you were the man. And then Joshua comes and he receives this mantle of leadership because he followed Moses. But Joshua, other than fighting in some military battles and getting some victories, he had not done any miracles that we know of. And we, he, we don't, you know, he didn't get in the presence of God to the level where his face was shining. But yet when he takes over, God has to give him an encouraging word. And he says this one powerful thing. And this is that moment of this generational transition of power. When God says to Joshua in Joshua 1, 9, he says, Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And I declare that over you today, and I want you to get that today, that don't be afraid, don't be dismayed, be strong, be courageous, that the Lord your God, He is with you wherever you go. 
You know, we don't have to just, you know, I love when we can come together corporately as a church and we can, you know, we can fellowship with one another. We can go to the restaurants and have a meal and we can share our lives together. That is beautiful and that is awesome. And sometimes we think that's the only way that God is going to come is if we're in a corporate setting. But God wants you to know that he wants to have fellowship with you and he is with you wherever you go. When you go to the marketplace. He's with you. When you go on your job, He's with you. When you take your kids to school, He is with you. He is always with you, and He wants to have that audience. Do you ever feel like sometimes it's like, uh, you know, we want God to shout, and I think sometimes God's like, I'm shouting, but you can't hear me. He's right there in the car with you, and He's like, just pay attention. I want to share something with you, And we're, but we've got, we have so many other things to do that we don't even acknowledge that he is there. And God, in order to have that audience with God, to have that place of just you and him and that intimate time of communion and fellowship and even breakthrough as the devotional series has been teaching us, we have to devote time to listening and to escaping and getting in that place of secret and that place of silence. You know, Luke Luke 5, the, the, Jesus had heard this news about... Um, all the things that were going on and all these people wanted to to hear of him and um and and, and they wanted him to to touch them right they wanted to receive their miracles and the bible says this is pretty interesting to me it says that jesus verse 16 um this was even after what had happened with john the baptist you know jesus was um you know he was sad at that point but you know here um in, in Mark, or excuse me, in Luke five, let me just read it to you. Luke, Luke five fifteen and sixteen. The the news about him being John was, uh, or about Jesus was spreading even further, and the large crowds were gathering to hear him, and they wanted to be healed of their sickness. So Jesus's reputation had got out. Forgive me about the John the Baptist. I'm getting ahead of myself. That's for something here in a few moments. Um, but Jesus's reputation had grown. The way he had communicated to people, the way he had healed the multitudes, and everybody's coming out to see him, and so. He's, he's grown this large ministry and he's feeling the pressure and the demands of the people, which happens to many of us in ministry from time to time. And But it says in verse 16, but Jesus himself would often, that didn't just happen once, it says he would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. He would escape the multitudes. Why? Because he wanted to be intimate with his father. He wanted to have that audience of one with the father God so that he could he could have what he needed when he went back to the multitudes. But Jesus made it his lifestyle to be in that place of escape with the father. He, he didn't want to uh, miss those moments, you know. And so, you know, there's things that Jesus did. It was pretty interesting where he chose solitude over the multitudes. He chose silence over the opportunities to communicate. And, you know, here, here's this great minister who carries power, is anointed from the, by the Spirit of God, doing all these works and all of this stuff. And you would think, he'd say, hey, just give me more of that. Give me more of that. But he understood his own need for solitude to escape. You know, one of the reasons he had to escape was, you know, was initially to prepare for his task. You know, sometimes we have to escape and get alone with God to be in that audience of one with God so that we can discover or prepare for a major task. You know, in, in Luke 4, it's, you know, Jesus is getting ready to embark on his ministry, but he's led by the Holy Spirit in the wilderness and he has to fast for 40 days and 40 nights. He's away from everything and everybody except the Father. And during that time, he's, he's being prepared for 
his time of temptation, but he's also being prepared for his time in ministry. And that's when the enemy comes to tempt him, right? And so Jesus escaped to prepare for a task. So many times God is saying, you have a, you have a, this divine purpose, this assignment, and I want you to escape be alone with me so that I can prepare your heart, your mind, your spirit, maybe even physically to prepare you to go into that thing that I've called you to. Another reason that we need to, to escape to God is to discover his secrets. I love the verse in Deuteronomy 29, 29. It says that the secret things belong to God, but the things revealed to us, they become ours and inheritance to our children. God has secrets that he wants to give to you. But who do you give your secrets to? Who do you and I, who do we share our secrets to? It's to the people typically who are closest to us. Proximity is power. And so the closer I get to God, the more the, the more intentional I am about being alone with Him, the more um, devout I am about being in solitude with Him, that solitary confinement, if you will, it might be uncomfortable, but the more I'm willing to do that, the more I'm ready to receive his secrets, and his mysteries. God wants to give you the secrets of his kingdom, right? And so we need to discover those things. Another reason we need to escape into the presence of God and get alone with him, it's to recharge our batteries. You know, Mark, uh, another time in Mark chapter six, Jesus, you know, he tells his disciples, you know, you've been ministering to these people um, all day. And so you just need to, you just need to get away. You just need to get away from the people and they'll be okay. But you have to recharge. You have to, you know, and, I, and we do this all the time in life. We get so depleted because of the because of the responsibilities that God is saying, listen, you need to you need to get away from all of that. You know, how many times you take a vacation and then you needed a vacation from your vacation? You know why? Because you didn't take time to rest, to recharge, to recuperate. But and, and so then what happens is you're you're going um through the motions or you're going um, halfway uh, because you can't sustain the level of energy that you need or the passion that you need because you just don't have it anymore. And God's saying, hey, let's get in this place of silence and solitary and escape from everything else so that I can help you recharge your battery so that when you go back out, you, 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 you are, you're at 100%. You're not at 10% and the battery's going down quick right? We want to get you at 100% fully charged. And being alone with God will help you to do that very thing. Because there's no way, I'm telling you, I promise you this, I will, will you, will you can put this to the test. And I will tell you, take this to the bank. If you would devote yourself and give yourself the, the necessary time to rest in the presence of God, you will feel so refreshed, so renewed, so energized that you'll be able to take on the world once again. And you will you will go to a level of, of being that unstoppable force, that, um, that person that's doing the impossible, seeing the invisible, accomplishing the things that nobody else does, because you come out of the presence of God with power. You're asking God for power all the time. We need to stop asking God for power. And we need to say, God, I need your presence. Because out of presence, we are endued with power. We are empowered in his presence to go out. So get recharged. Another thing, and, and, and I want to, I got to finish these things up uh, in just a couple of minutes. Another thing is, is the presence of God, being alone with God, it'll help us to work through our emotions. You know, I alluded to that about John the Baptist earlier. I was getting ahead of myself. I apologize for that. But in Matthew chapter 14, um, Jesus had just heard the news of 
John being beheaded, you know, this is his dear relative who he loved, who was the forerunner for Jesus's ministry. And he hears of what had happened and um, and he had to get away from that. He had to, yes, the, the Bible says he was moved with compassion and he went and ministered to the people, but there was a moment where he had to disconnect. Why? Because he had to process that emotion. He had to deal with what was going on in his life. And, and Scripture will lay this out for us over and over through different scenarios and different stories in people's lives where God will give them this opportunity to disconnect from everything and everyone so that they could process the emotion that they were going through. Maybe it was a tragedy. Maybe it was a loss. Maybe it was a failure. Maybe it was something else. But God would give them time in his presence to deal with that on an emotional standpoint. And so give yourself the presence of God to help you process the emotion that you're facing, whether it's a positive or negative emotion. It can, it can only be helped in the presence of God alone in that secret place. Um, another thing is, um, you know, my wife and I, we're big on this, is um, when you're in the presence of God, when you're alone with Him, is He gives you wisdom for big decisions. And I believe in I, I believe in the church. I believe in those of you who are listening to this that, and I'll say this, I believe you're big dreamers. And if you're a big dreamer, you're going to have some big decisions to make in your life. And in order to get those decisions right, we need the wisdom of God. You know, as Jesus' ministry was growing and all these people were gathering to him, he had more than 12 disciples, but he was going to have to narrow it down. He had a big decision. Who of all of these people are we going to choose? And so he escapes to pray. This is Luke chapter 6. He escapes to pray. He goes up to a mountain, and the Father must have told him who to pick because when he comes back, he gathered the multitude of the disciples around him, and out of those, he chose 12 that would that would carry that mantle, that would walk with him, that would receive the intimate teachings from him, that would receive the friendship that nobody else would get to have. You know, the the, the multitudes, they got the messages, but these 12 chosen, they got the man. And because of that, because of those encounters, those daily encounters with Jesus, it, it prepared them to become those apostles that they would later on become so that they would carry that message of the church even into the nations. And so um, if, you're, if you need wisdom for a big decision, you can find that in the presence of God. And so it's not always about just doing our due diligence and, and, and doing the duties that comes with walking the Christian life, you know, reading the Bible and praying and going to church and, and, and singing the songs. That's all part of it. And we need to do that. But what God would say to you today, if you're going to walk with me, be with me. If you're going to walk with me, let me walk with you. Be alone with the presence of God and he will do extravagant, amazing things that you've never even imagined before. So my challenge for you is to remove some of the distractions. Find your own escape room. Get rid of those digital distractions that are honestly an you know, constantly stimulating your brain. Get in the presence of God. Recharge your batteries. Let Him give you part of His infinite intelligence. Empower you with His Spirit so that when you go out, you have greater understanding who He is, who you are, and what you are to accomplish on this earth. God bless you guys. I love you, Renovate Church. Can't wait to see you the next time. Um, and until that happens, uh, just keep walking with God. 
Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Hey, we are so glad that you joined us for our service this morning. If you are interested in learning about how you can start a relationship with Jesus, we would love to be here to talk that through with you. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 12, that whoever has the Son has life. And we really believe that here at Renovate. So again, if you want to start a relationship with Jesus, if you're just interested in learning more about the faith, you have questions, we'd love to hear from you as well. Or if you want to grow as a follower of Jesus or get more involved in what we're doing, we'd love to hear from you. So just go ahead and comment on the platform that you're at or reach out to us by email at info at renovatechurch.com. Again, we're so glad you were able to join us. We hope you have a great week and we look forward to hearing from you soon.